the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, February the 2nd, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1536, present-day uh, present Buenos Aires in Argentina was founded. Pedro de Mendoza of Spain. He uh, started the city. It worked out well. It's a large city today. Today in 1653, New Amsterdam, now New York City, was incorporated. Today in 1887, Puxitawney, Pennsylvania, had its first Groundhog Day festival. I did. I forgot to check that this morning. Uh, did he see his shadow? I, I don't know. I, I, I never thought about Puxitawney Phil today until right now, but uh, we'll have to check that out. We'll see how that works out. I do know that the uh, man the, the west the east is under assault from weather uh, it's horrible there in fact it's they're calling it generational ice storms uh, wind storms snow freezing some places 50 degrees below maybe Puxatawney Phil wouldn't even come out of his cage today I don't know maybe they haven't done it yet maybe the people don't want to leave their house to go bring out the the little um, rodent for this day. Anyway, anyway, they started that. The first one, the first Groundhog Day festival was 1887. Today, 1925, the legendary Alaska Serum Run. It ended as the last of the uh, series of dogs, dog mushers uh, brought a life-saving uh, treatment to Nome. That was the scene of a diphtheria epidemic. It took them six days to get the uh, serum to the community, but they did, and they saved lives with that. It became legendary. I think a book was written about it. I know a movie was made about it. That was today in 1925, the conclusion of that uh, of that event. Today in 1980, NBC News reported the FBI had conducted a sting operation targeting members of Congress using phony Arab businessmen in what became known as Abscam, a codename protested by Arab Americans, as you can imagine. Today in 2006, House Republicans elected John Boehner of Ohio as their new majority leader to replace Tom DeLay. Today in 2016, health officials reported that a person in Texas had become infected with the Zika virus through having sex. That was the first case of the illness being transmitted within the United States. Today in 2020, the Philippines reported that a 44-year-old Chinese man from Wuhan had died in a Manila hospital from the new coronavirus. It was the first death from the virus to be recorded outside of China. It's interesting how they name all of these viruses from the place that they were first discovered, Zika and, and all of them. You can go down the list, and I've done that before on this program. But all of a sudden, when it was China, it, oh, no, it couldn't be the Wuhan virus. It had to be something else. And we couldn't in any way attach any responsibility to China because we might offend the Communist Party. 
It's kind of sad, but it's true. The Bible says in Psalm 91:15, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. On a snowy Wednesday morning in Washington, D.C., where this storm is sweeping as we speak up the east eastern seaboard into the northeast. But on a snowy Wednesday morning yesterday, hundreds of people made their way to the Museum of the Bible for a unique event, a prayer meeting. Before dawn had even broken across the city, almost 60 speakers from different nations, organizations, political districts, and hundreds of others had gathered to call upon God, to humble themselves, and to seek his face. Family Research Council President Tony Perkins was there. He said, what you're about to see is something you won't see on MSNBC, CNN, or even Fox. That is, members of Congress who are praying and crying out to God. He said, know that God is hearing and answering your prayers by raising up leaders who love him and fear him. The event was led by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and House Majority Leader Steve Scalise. Sixteen Republicans from across the country read the Bible and prayed fervently. I've read each of their prayers, what they said. It moved my heart. I was so happy to hear that coming from these people. It wasn't for the press. It wasn't for any kind of political gain. It was something between each of these individuals and God. That's where we have gotten to in the hearts of some who are leading this country. So often we see the bad and the ugly, the illegal and the corrupt. And I talk about it on this program because that's what's going on in our nation. And what we do on this program is talk about what's happening daily because we originate live at 9 o'clock in the morning on ACN. And some of you hear us a little bit later on in the day. But I just wanted to take a deep breath and tell you about this prayer meeting yesterday. The ones that were there, the Congress people that were there, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, of course, the House Leader Steve Scalise, Mary Miller of Illinois, Brian Babin of Texas, Rick Allen of Georgia, Michael Cloud of Texas, Robert uh, Adderholt, I think it is, from Alabama, Tracy Mann from Kansas, Burgess Owens, Utah, Michelle Steele from California, Gary Palmer from Alabama, Warren Davidson from Ohio, Randy Weaver from uh, Weber from Texas, Brandon Williams from New York, Diana Harshberger from Tennessee, Dan Bishop from North Carolina, National Mar- uh, uh, Nathaniel Moran from Texas, Mike Johnson from Louisiana, they all took turns praying, confessing their sins and asking for God's wisdom in the days ahead. Congressman Miller from Illinois admitted, um, this is a quote, because we have rejected you as creator, Lord, and Savior. We are now adrift and foolish, calling evil good and good evil. 
We must humbly ask you to intervene, deliver us here in Congress and in our country from going our own way and thinking our own thoughts. Please, Heavenly Father, take the scales off our eyes. Help us to acknowledge our need of you, our need to weep and mourn over our pride, our immorality, child abuse, and idolatry. Draw us back to you and to your word. I'm sure there were people who wanted to be there who couldn't be there, but I was. it was noticeable to me that no one from Washington or Oregon uh, bothered to attend this uh, prayer meeting, as far as I could see. And they may have been there and just the information that I got, I got it pretty direct, but uh, maybe they were just lost in that. But that isn't my point at this moment. After Leader Scalise read from Psalm 33, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and I, I was a little concerned about him. I didn't know for sure where he was, but I got to tell you what he said there and the way he said it uh, was great comfort to me. McCarthy turned to the audience and he said, I was asked to share a scripture, but he said, I'd like to pray and read scripture, if that would be all right. He started by thanking God that we can still honor. He said, we, we thank you, God, that we can still honor your word, study your word, and teach the next generation. He asked for the Lord's blessing on the leaders of Congress who joined him on the stage. Those who weren't here today, he said, bless them as well. He said, I want you to open their hearts I want you to help them be bold. Then knowing the difficult debates and things that are coming up, McCarthy prayed for the president. That's biblical. He said, Father, you know that I will meet with him today. Father, I ask that you open both our hearts that our meeting uh, would seek your truth and help this nation. We continue to seek your guidance. We ask that you help us and give us the patience of Job. We ask that you give us the intellect, the leadership that you gave David. He went on. It's amazing, amazing what happened there in the quietness of early morning. Perkins was right. They, none of the the uh, networks covered it at all. I mean, they it's incidental to them. Even Fox didn't bother to cover it as far as I could see. And they may have slipped it in somewhere, but it wasn't anything major, and I couldn't find it, and I was looking for it. But that also is not my point. My point is that there are leaders, and I know I know some of the other leaders in Congress who are deeply committed to Jesus Christ. And they apparently weren't there. They weren't mentioned if they were there. But there is that group of people in our leadership in America today who understand what us ordinary people out here across the fruited plain understand. They understand that we have profound problems in America, and it can only be solved by the intervention of Almighty God. And that will happen only as we seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways, and humbly ask him to forgive us of our sin. And these people know that just like you and I know that. And there they were on a snowy, miserably cold, windy morning, praying, asking God to meet us and help us and deliver us as a nation. Interestingly enough, they met at the uh, 
Museum of the Bible. That's becoming quite the meeting place in Washington D.C. It's a very it's a, a significant and expanding event. More and more tourists are going there. It was put up. It is very biblical, very solid, very uh, well presented. I haven't been there, but I hope to go there in the next couple of years or so for to visit it and uh, like to take my family as well to see it because it, it is significant, to say the least. I had planned to talk to you today a little bit about that, and uh, I learned earlier this morning of this prayer meeting that happened. <clears throat> I wanted to share that with you as well, as well. But interestingly enough, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what an astronaut is saying and what he's teaching <laughs> at the Museum of the Bible. He's a former astronaut. He's retired now, and he said he believes the study of nature and science are intertwined with Scripture. At the opening of this new exhibit at the Museum of the Bible, it's about the Bible's role in the relationship between science and Christianity. And they're saying it's not at all the way the secularists would present it. Not at all. Science and true science and biblical truth, they say, are not at conflict. They're saying that science reflects the truth of God's word, and God's word reveals the science that we have learned. They say there is not a conflict. It is only a conflict when people try to use Christianity or science to advance their own agenda. So I want to take a few moments this morning and talk to you a little bit about that. I think you'll find that as interesting as I did as I was spending some time on it. Uh, yesterday and, and earlier this morning. <clears throat> but I want to thank you for your support. I mentioned yesterday, and I hope some of you are listening, that this program has now, it, we are continued, continuing to expand, and we want to do so carefully and responsibly. I, I always do in this ministry, and I think those of you who have been listening and supporting it for a long time know that. But I also have an urgency for our message to get out because I believe it's God's message and God is using it. We're, the results are, are phenomenal. And we continue to hear that the, in all the, in, on all the stations that we're on, if they take polls about the most listened to uh, programs, ours is always at the top. I say that in absolute humility. It is not anything I'm doing other than just trying to be faithful to God. It's just simply something that God is using, and there are hundreds of stations, and, and I'm not overstating it, that want this program on. We just don't have the budget to do it. But we are choosing places carefully and prayerfully, and sometimes we choose places that aren't necessarily known as a bastion of the Bible. They're some of the most unchurched ungodly areas where this program is on. And that's why it's so important that those of you who agree with us and what we're doing, originating live every morning so we can be as current as possible, you're supporting us. Because some of the places that, that my voice is heard on this program, uh, a lot of people are listening that just don't support us. In fact, they wish we would go away. Some have tried. 
And so that's it's kind of a unique situation where we are. It, it, these programs are not made in advance and canned and produced. If, if I cough, you'll hear it. It doesn't get edited out because it's, it originates live. And so we started this, and I, I said, Lord, I'll do this as long as you'll provide the support for it. And we'll be on a few stations, and then I won't do it. Because I'm over 40 now, and I was kind of enjoying not doing anything at the moment. And all this started. So anyway, all of that to say that um, thank you for supporting it. And it has exceeded what I hoped for and prayed for, actually, as far as influence. And in that, we we don't have the the budget or the, the money to expand into all the opportunities that are there. But... We're trying to stay in the West generally uh, just because of the time factor, and that's a, a different issue. And we won't get into that today, but we're a day late if we go on in stations in the East because we originate at 9 a.m. in the West. But we do go to, to towns where there are availabilities and where we feel the Lord would have us to go. So that's kind of the prelude to us going on in Albuquerque, Santa Fe, New Mexico. We started on the program yesterday. Hopefully, some are listening there as they become aware of the program and start to listen. I'm sure that they will start to, those who stand with us in the faith and in our the content of what we're saying, will stand with us and support us. That's been our the history of this program. Wherever we are heard, people support it. And so I'm asking those of you who listen and do support or would like to support or to make a one-time gift, we need about $12,000 going into the city to Santa Fe and Albuquerque, and we already have done it, and we need that. So if if you just pray about it, and if God speaks to your heart to help us with that, um, please do, and thank you in advance. If God doesn't speak to your heart about it, don't worry about it. He'll speak to someone else. I, 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 I feel, I, I say that very humbly, but I feel very strongly about that. God is blessing what we're doing, and I am humbled, and I just want to pass that along to particularly those of you who support us. God is using your support for his kingdom, and I am grateful, and I am so glad to be a part of it. You, too, are a part of it. So pray about it, and if you feel you should help us with this, they're much appreciated. Someone must help us. I'm confident that they will, or a group of people will, and this will be met. I'm pretty certain of that. I just haven't seen it yet, but I know it's coming. Thank you in advance. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Let me talk to you a little bit about this former astronaut. The parents, William Jennings Bryant, said... In 1925, the parents have a right to say that no teacher paid by their money shall rob their children of faith in God and send them back to their homes skeptical or infidels or agnostics or atheists. Opposing the lawyer William Jennings Bryan, Clarence Darrow, he said, Here we find today as brazen, as bold, an attempt to destroy learning as was ever made in the Middle Ages. And the only difference is that we have not provided that they shall be burned at the stake. But there is time for that, Your Honor. I suppose you know that those are quotes 
from the Scopes, The Monkey Trials of 1925. 98 years ago this summer, the infamous Scopes Monkey Trial convened in Dayton, Tennessee. What many called the trial of the century was held inside and outside, some of it out in the yard, of Judge John Ralston's steamy courtroom in July of 1925. It was a contest between creationism and evolution, God versus Darwin, the Bible versus science, for the mind of the child in the classroom. Ultimately, Darwin would win on a technicality. But now Darwin is dead. And since those times, Charles Darwin has been elevated to a godlike scientist because of his theories. Some have memorized his theories. They've been steeped and baptized in them in a secular university, and they're now in classrooms teaching them as though they're true. But most scientists who are honest say, well, Darwin's theory has a lot of holes in it today, so we've moved on. We have other theories to support our ungodly worldview. Darwin is truly dead. He infamously and regularly denied the very existence of God. And yet there are churches that believe in and teach in what they call biblical evolution and somehow weave Darwin into the four Gospels or whatever. Darwin said there is no evidence that man was aboriginally endowed with the ennobling belief in the existence of an omnipotent God. He said, nowhere can we find this. Well, it was has been found. But he said also, quote, the idea of a universal and beneficent creator does not seem to arise in the mind of man until he has been elevated by long-continued culture. In other words, this whole idea of God is just some, something we brought about in the culture. And he said this, he said a lot, I mean, there's books of his quotes, but Darwin said this, he said, I'm sorry to have to inform you that I do not believe in the Bible as a divine revelation, and therefore not in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. As I said, there's volumes written about that, about his non-belief. But here's the problem. Continued scientific discovery has put so many holes in Darwin's theories that honest science scientists today are embarrassed by most of his beliefs and theories. They don't... They simply don't stand up to in the light of truth. He seemed to recognize the errors of his way when he instructed his son, Darwin, talking to his son, telling him not to publish his son's essay. He said, son, don't publish your essay. In 1873, Darwin's son, George, wrote an essay that boldly dismissed prayer, divine morals, and uh, future rewards and punishments. He said, I would urge you not to publish it for some months, at the soonest, and then consider whether you think it new and important enough to counterbalance the evils, he told his son. Well, what are the evils? Well, if you read on in his note to his son, Darwin said the evils on giving pain to others and injuring your own power and usefulness. In other words, it was a political thing in the mind of Darwin. It never was theological, even though he goes on and on and on and on about a God that doesn't exist. He can't let go of a God that doesn't exist in his mind. It's interesting how all atheists do that. But he said, don't, he said, think about this. He said, remember that an enemy might ask, who is this man that he should give to the world his opinions on the deepest subjects? My advice, Darwin said to his son George, is to pause, pause, pause. That's a quote. 
Christianity isn't estranged from science. He's too often it's been said that science and faith just don't mix. We hear that all the time. Well, the science that they're talking about generally is kind of a form of science, but it's not real science. It's not truthful science. It's some kind of a politically charged science. That was basically what where Darwin was coming from. He admitted it to his son. Real science doesn't contradict the Christian faith. In fact, it soundly and emphatically affirms it. Jeffrey N. Williams He's a retired astronaut with a bio too long to include. I just can't go through it. I don't have the time today, but man, it's impressive. He's a colonel, U.S. Army, retired. He flew an Expedition 4748, which completed his fourth mission, making it a record-breaking mission aboard the International Space Station. He has now spent 534 days in space. He's from Wisconsin. He's a flight engineer. He's the lead spacewalker for the STS-101 in 2000 flight engineer for Expedition 13 in 2005, Expedition 21 in 2009, where he worked as flight engineer and then as commander for Expedition 22. He was selected as an astronaut in 1996. He graduated first in his U.S. Naval Test Pilot School class, 103 in uh, 1993, and it goes on and on and on. I mean, this man, it's it's a book, his bio. It's amazing. But Williams is now involved in a new exhibit at the Museum of the Bible that demonstrates that science and religion, biblical Christianity, are not at odds at all. And he goes through this, and I, I, I will not have time to go through all of it today, but I would, I would direct you to our website, Faith and Freedom, faithandfreedom.us. Be sure it's .us or you'll go to somewhere else. There's several Faith and Freedoms out there. But Faith and Freedom, you'll see my name there as well. And um, you can check this out, and you can check out the sources that I used in writing the article that I wrote today. But Jeff Williams told the Christian Post during a visit to the exhibit, he said, "Scripture, it's uh, scripture and science, our universe, ourselves, our place." Is this new exhibit at the Museum of the Bible that he spent 534 days in space, and he has a per- perspective, a personal perspective of God's greatness and God's creation from that perspective. He's a devout Christian. He grew up attending a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod congregation for many years, but now he attends a Bible church in Washington State, where he lives. Science does not contradict Christianity. There is no contradiction, he says. The contradiction comes into your philosophy going into your science, and your philosophy acknowledges a God that has either revealed himself himself specifically in the scriptures of the Bible, or your philosophy discounts or doesn't allow a God. Then you have to explain the existence of everything by chance over time. Williams believes there is a God who has revealed himself in creation as well as in his word, and he has accepted his son, Jesus Christ, as his Savior. The creators of this exhibit, it opened January 19th, just a couple of weeks ago, at the Museum of the Bible, they say they hope that in creating and designing this ex, ex, uh, exhibition, people could see that scripture and science are not in conflict, but are in, in a conversation that is ongoing. Christianity has informed science for many years. William says many of the science uh, scientists in the age of science who we all read about in our textbooks about the laws of physics and chemistry and so on, he said were believers first. They were theologians first. People like Kepler and Newton and Faraday and Maxwell and others. 
He said they were driven by their faith and their understanding of their calling before God to fulfill that calling. They saw science as their calling, and they could learn science by knowing God and his word. Well, there's much more, but you can check it out. Thanks for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. I'm honored. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.